know what that means? Everything. Anglo-thieves. Gettle's gone. Oh my god, you people have just failed me. Failed me utterly. Congratulations, Scotland. We have just gone full And welcome to Angle Fees episode 52, which is not about the awards season yet. <laughs> yet. For regular listeners, you might be going, it's January. Isn't this normally when you do your, your award season show? Yes. However, the Oscars have decided to fuck with us and the nominations will not be announced until January 24th. So, and we don't really want to talk about award season without having Oscar nominations to complain about. So we will be doing our award season show next month in time for the actual Oscars, which are at the end of February. Yay? Yay. Yay. I mean, I guess this gives them a smaller window for voting, which means less movement in the polls. I don't know. Elections are completely ruined for me now. Voting <laughs> is ruined for me. It's just not that we're going to have another election in this country anyway, so, you know, whatever. We're um, all going to die. We're all going to die. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year! Happy 2017! We survived 2016? Mm, survived is a vague and relative term. We endured. We endured. <laughs> We walked out of it. Somehow. Now it's 2017. Who knows what's happening next. I do have a podcast recommendation. And that's Pod Save America. Which is run by some of the guys who was on Obama's early staff. John Favreau and John Lovett and some other guys. They used to do Keeping It 1600. And now they've started their own media company. That they have named Crooked Media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know what fake news myself, but... Yeah. And they're using Pod Save America as sort of a, a... Talking to people within politics and kind of figuring out what to do. Now that we're... almost Probably by the time this is up, we'll be living... Well, I'll be living in Trump's America. Have you prepared your underground bunker and storage yet? I do. I do actually have a hoard of canned food. It's small but growing. If you do ever fancy your own spin-off podcast, I feel like you could do a wonderful how to prepare for any apocalypse situation, where it's just episodes of you talking about canned goods and dried meat and knitting and things. Hmm. Yeah, I might do that. It's quaint, but it's practical. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a web series. Then people would have to look at me. Yeah, they probably wouldn't want to do that. Well, my mom sent me some jams and jellies that she made. She oh. does. She didn't mean it to go into the 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 prepper horde, but some of it's going to the prepper horde. Yeah. So good times. President Obama gave. Uh, Vice President Joe Biden the Presidential Medal of Freedom and he cried. with distinction. And he cried. It was so cute. 
parents not expecting it. And Joe Biden told a story that uh, when his son was dying of brain cancer, they thought about selling the house to help with his medical bills. And Obama was like, no, don't do that. I will give you the money. Do not sell your house. So that is the state of health care in this country. God. Is that the vice president of the United States was thinking about having to sell his house to cover medical care costs. But, you know, why should people have to give up their hard-earned money to help other people? I don't know, because we live in a fucking society? <clears> hmm. <throat> The entire year is not going to be me angry at people for being selfish and mean, but I think a lot of it is. Can't say I blame you. Yeah. So that's where we are. Yeah, the actual topic of this episode is we're going to talk about pop culture things coming up in 2017 that we're looking forward to, or that possibly have already maybe started, because I want to talk about Taboo a little bit. Just to work back a little bit. Both Kaylee and I have recently seen La La Land and we both have thoughts including but not limited to, holy shit, that ending. Kaylee, I understand you wrote a thing about it. Yeah, I wrote my review. I just... Okay, here's the thing. I will generally say that I liked the film. There's a so lot in it I liked because I like old school musicals like Singing in the Rain and Judy Garland's Stars Born. Mm-hmm. Uh, that old like old school MGM Technicolor musicals where Gene Kelly does a lot of tap dancing. And then there's like a 40 minute scene of ballet that just recounts everything that's already happened. I yeah. love that. And it's really clear that Damien Chazelle, the director, really likes those films as well. What Damien Chazelle is also is a jazz bro. So, so he decided to make a movie about both of those things. Why not both? Why not both? So, so La La Land is basically the juggernaut favorite currently to win Best Picture at the Oscars. I mm-hmm. I think it's hit its peak a little too early for that, but we'll get into that later. But right now, yeah. this is the favorite going into the race. And I can see why, because right now, I think there is a hunger for escapism. Yep. Uh, and that's going to be the case for the next couple of years, I think. You're going to see this really um, prescient um, political activism in the form of fiction, but you're also going to see pure fantasy and escapism. There's a place for both of those, and there is a place for something like this. Because, you know, who doesn't want a really sweet love story between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, where they sing and dance, and then there are stars and pretty primary colours and the backdrop of Ellie, and it's nice, and it's really vibrant and beautiful. The, the opening scene. The opening scene is incredible. That was done in one shot. Mm, it's three. No, he said it was a single take. Oh, Emma Stone said it was three. Oh, well, one of them's lying, but still, in, t- in terms mm-hmm. of the, the intricacy of it, to make it look yeah. like a single shot, certainly, whatever the case yeah. is, it's so beautiful. And there are a couple scenes like that, actually, in the movie. There's a wonderful moment where they go to the planetarium, mm-hmm. or, or the observatory, the big famous one in L.A. The, the Griffith Observatory. Yes, yeah, the one that's in every movie set in L.A. ever. <laughs> and they basically dance across the stars, and it's beautiful. The problem is... I think the, the film wants to be more than that kind of fantasy. It really does want to entrench the reality of the situation, which is Emma Stone's an actress, Ryan Gosling's a jazz bro. They both have big creative dreams and they want to live that, that dream and be successful in their chosen field and make art. Because art mm-hmm. is important, you guys. I'm being slightly facetious there. The problem is... Okay, first of all, I don't give a fuck about jazz bros. Not even jazz. I don't mind jazz. But the way that Ryan Gosling talks about jazz in this movie, and you think for a moment, okay, 
the movie's going to tell him that he's being a dick. And it does at a point. There's a point where John Legend, who's supposed to be the evil one who's sold out, basically says to him, you've got to evolve with the times. Jazz is all about evolving. If you just stick to the past, no one's going to listen to you anymore and it's going to die off. And he gets totally schooled by John Legend. And then the film just totally ignores that and rewards Ryan Gosling for being the wonderful white guy who saves Jazz. And then... You know, Emma Stone is so vibrant and beautiful and vivacious and charming in that movie that you almost forget that her character is basically a cipher. There's nothing to her character, like, in terms of what's on the page in the script. Mm-hmm. That's all Emma Stone. Yeah. And she's great. Like, she's if, if she wins Best Actress, I'm not going to be bitter about that. She's so good in this. Mm-hmm. Better than Gosling as well. Not that Gosling's bad. Like, the piano and stuff is really impressive. But I saw The Nice Guys earlier last year. Oh, he was great the, in the nice. Which he's is so, so good. <laughs> and like, I kind of wish he'd done that performance with this. Mm-hmm. Like, just a little more self-awareness as to how much of a dick his character is. Yeah. But I don't think Damien Chazelle entirely wants to admit that this guy is a dick. And he doesn't, because in the final five minutes of the movie, he basically <laughs> destroys all of the pathos and emotional growth that these two had in a really self-indulgent, unearned so... moment of sentimentality self-indulgent and i will admit that it's entirely possible that part of my reaction is colored by the fact that i really had to pee and i'm sitting (laughs) here watching this like seriously you could have stopped five minutes ago that would have been a perfectly fine and cromulent ending and i could already be in the bathroom but no we're doing the sliding doors bullshit I didn't even think it was necessarily sliding doors. It reminded me of okay, we're slight spoiler alert here. So if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to be spoiled in any way, however slight, skip turn ahead. off now. Yeah. But anyone ever seen the Spike Lee film, The Twenty Fifth Hour? No. Is that the guy who's going to prison? Yeah. I heard of it. I never saw it, but yeah. So the ending of that one is actually, in many ways, I felt quite similar to La La Land, but that one is so deep, it's so, like hits such a visceral emotional level where it just, it dangles in front of you what could have been, and then reminds you, but it's never going to happen. You could have this wonderful, beautiful thing, but you won't. Whereas the thing that La La Land does is it just is so eager to please and have this big, fantastical, beautiful, colorful, an American in Paris kind of moment that it totally forgets that it didn't invest anything in these characters who actually earn that possibility. Like, I I think Gosling and Stone have really good chemistry. They've worked together a couple of times before. But that's all them. There's nothing on the page to tell me why these two would be interested in each other. All they talk about is work. All he talks about is jazz. Yeah. And there's one moment where he's really nasty to her about her being an actress. And all I could think was, why are you with him? I know he looks like Ryan Gosling, but if he was played by the guy that was originally supposed to play him, Miles Teller, would you still be here? To be fair, right after that moment, she's like, I'm out. (laughs) But that's the thing, is there's moments there, I I wonder how that reads on the page compared to what Emma Stone's doing with it, because she has such wonderful subtlety to that character of just, Mm -hmm. you know, this is a joke, you're a joke, and it breaks my heart, but I'm out. Yeah. So when you get that ending... I was just, I, it felt cheated to me because like this moment of, hey, they're grown-ups here. Maybe we'll have that moment of, you know, you don't always get what you want, but the thing that you have is still worthwhile and can still make you incredibly happy. And it's like, nope, fantasy. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, it occurred to me as I was watching Emma Stone sort of emote all over the place that she, like, Alicia Vikander is a jaw actress. <laughs> 
she does like so much of her emotion through the set of her jaw. And this isn't a criticism. This is just, this is how you do your thing. Emma Stone is a mouth actress. Like the tension just in her mouth is and her eyes too. I mean, her eyes are like anime eyes or gigantic. Oh, really? It's the eyes. The set and tension in her mouth communicates more of her emotion than anything else. And she brings so much to this role that, frankly, I don't think the role deserves. Yeah, it does reek of I was written by a man. Mm. And I really want to see more of her because, like, I don't know if the film thinks that she's a great actress or not obviously the payoff is that she's incredible but there are moments where you see her auditioning and stuff and then she's really quite dull and then you see other moments where she's auditioning and she's great and I didn't really get the rhythms of what it would be like to be a constantly auditioning actress who's rejected time and time again with you know after half a line mm-hmm. just didn't think that there was much there for her I didn't really think there was much there for Gosling but at least Chazelle is interested in the thing that Gosling won't shut the fuck up about right okay I have a question yeah. Is the music John Legend and his evil sellout band playing, is it supposed to be bad? I don't think so. I think, I almost think that the clumsy thesis on that is that there is room for both modern, evolved jazz and going back to the traditional. And there is a place in the world for both of those, and they're both important. Or at least that's what I'm choosing to believe, because that is what I believe. I can uh, see that, but the way that Ryan Gosling just sort of looks at the music he's playing like this is so beneath me. Like, it's not selling out of him a dick to people that I've sold out to. Mm. It's like, I like your, their music a lot better than I like your one piano tune that you've played how many times already? Right, that was your that was your whole through line between the whatever. The music's not bad, but I'm going to be really bitter when Lin-Manuel Miranda loses his chance at the Peacock to this film. I'm going to be so mad if that happens. That better not happen. Academy... You know what to do. You know what is supposed to happen here. This is a time for you to be predictable and traditional. This is the time. So here's the thing. Linda Holmes on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour already brought this up. She thinks, particularly after the Golden Globes, La La Land may have peaked a little too early. Yeah, La La Land won every award at the Golden Globes it was nominated for, which was about mm -hmm. eight or nine. I think it's a record for Golden Globes. So it won more than any other ones because the way that they divide it up, it's, you know comedy musical versus drama so it's a bit harder to have a, a sweep so to speak but she thinks that like this happens every year there's the film that kind of looks like it's taking over the pack and everyone gets a little bit sick of it mm. whether or not that's earned like last year we all thought the revenant was going to win best picture and i was so glad when it didn't yeah but that felt that, like the momentum was there and linda holmes has argued the film that she thinks is going to sweep up the momentum instead is hidden figures i hope so i would be which i haven't seen yet it hasn't come out here yet it's really good Oh, I really want to see it. It just made everyone so happy on my Twitter feed who saw it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I fully support Janelle Monae, actress. Definitely. She's incredible. Yeah, we'll see. And we'll, we can get into that next month more as we kind of see how the Oscar race is shaping up. Another thing that they said on Pop Culture Happy Hour is that the audition song that Emma Stone sings at the end of the movie is going to be what everybody sings at their auditions from now yep. on till the end of, well, certainly the decade. And oh, God, yes. I kind of hope not because, God, that's really fucking on the nose. 
<laughs> for my audition, I'll be singing Audition. Yeah. And to think we're deprived of the American Idol lineup of contestants doing it for us. Yeah. I, I thought Emma Stone's singing voice is a little breathy for my taste. I prefer more rich. But she does, she has performed on Broadway. She was in Cabaret, so... Which works for Cabaret as well, because technically Sally Bowles is supposed to be a not very good singer. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's bad, but it's it's a thin voice. But if you're going to do the, you know, these are real people thing, yeah, then it certainly works for that. I mean, I much prefer that they went with Emma Stone than the original choice, which was Emma Watson. Although, according to that doll, she's not bad. <laughs> yeah. So, if what? you want to see La La Land, like, yeah, I mean, there's so much to it, in it to enjoy. I think there are other people who will be just totally swept away with it. And, you know, go enjoy yourself. Frankly, we could all use a little bit of sunshine in this dark, depressing, rotten sock of a climate. Mm. But, you know, if you want to be completely overwhelmed with joy of a film, just rent Singing in the Rain. They've re-released it to theaters, eh? Yeah. R.A.P. W. Reynolds. Oh, that was a rough end to the year. Wasn't it? Just kept me. That was just rough. Although, I do agree with whoever on Twitter said that anyone who has read Postcards from the Edge needs to be darkly amused at the thunder stealing. (laughs) (laughs) I fully expect that Carrie was in the afterlife, hanging out with Bowie, and then Debbie shows up, and she's like, Mama, what the fuck? Oh, quick shout out to Lucasfilm. Thank you for ruling out doing the whole CGI fake carry thing for episode 10. Or 9. 9. Thank you. Please don't they, do it. They didn't? They ruled it they out? Said they, were, they said they weren't going to do it, so stay to that promise. Yeah. Give her the out she deserves. But I mean, what are they going to do now? Imagine if it's like Luke getting back to the Rebellion and he, and he doesn't make it, his sister dies before. Like, that's heartbreaking. Yes, it is heartbreaking, but sometimes heartbreak. Sometimes real life writes the plot. Yeah. yeah I would much rather that they rewrote it. Mm. So, this we were meant to do pop culture things we we're looking forward to, but um, we never like had an episode where we talked about Gilmore Girls. The, the no. Reunion. Do you want to do uh, like five minutes on it? Let's do five minutes on it. Why not? A deeply entertaining thing of the past, the end of the year, was Alina was re-watching Gilmore Girls and then sort of live-tweeting her thoughts in our group message. Where I would be like, yep, that's the thing that happened. And Kaylee would go, these people are terrible. What the fuck is this show? (laughs) Which is a completely legitimate and reasonable question. What the fuck is this show? (laughs) I have never seen an episode and I maintain that those people are sociopaths. They are. They, they really are. They, they really, they, they are. It's, you're not wrong. And then the reunion came out, and it, like, doubled down on the sociopathy from yeah. the beginning. Like, I don't even know where to start with that weird Paul thing. Which, <sighs> who treats human beings like that? At what point is that a joke? <laughs> I have real questions about Amy Sherman Palladino and her views on people. I was ready to dive into the nostalgia, but so much of it was just so off-putting that I couldn't 
completely just t- try to turn off the critical thinking and, and, you know, and enjoy it. Because, yeah, the Paul thing was t- too weird. Like, just, it doesn't work. It, it was kind of the way, do you remember when the first season of Glee, when it started to go off the rails and you start thinking, like, look, either you're completely satire where none of this is realistic or you're going, when you're going too realistic, Brittany stops working as a character. Yeah. Or the things that Sue were, Sue does stop working because if you decide to, as soon as you ground yourself in reality even a little bit, Sue becomes somebody who horribly abuses children and Brittany is possibly a mentally disabled character who's being taken advantage of in a severe way. Like none of those things work. So the same with Gilmore Girls, like that protracted joke with, you know, Rory never remembers that she's dating this guy. Like he, she literally forgets he exists when he's out of her eyesight, like eyeline. And she doesn't even break up with him for a full year as she's been sleeping with Logan. Apparently since they broke up on season seven, possibly, well, I mean, I guess the, the implication is they reconnected after college or something of the sort, but he's, he's, he's engaged. Yeah. They have this, what happens in London stays in London thing. And I was like, do you remember when you slept with Dean, when he was married to another person? And it turns out your mom wasn't so like, you know, you had the speech of like, it doesn't matter that you saw him first. It's still cheating. We've been through this. We went through this in season three or four or whatever it was. Why, Rory? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to. I just, that that weird rehashed ground, like it really does feel like Amy Sherman Paladino is kind of, didn't really care about going back and checking what she already wrote or what was in the show. It was just, Whatever vague things she remembers she did, she'll base the reunion on that. Mm-hmm. Which, on one hand, I'll give her that. Like, I don't know if I should require a showrunner to, you know, essentially examine the show Bible and make sure you don't miss details. But on the other hand, you know, we're in the age of Netflix and even, like, just DVDs. Like, people will have rewatched the show. Like, people remember. Yeah. There's recaps and marathon rewatches, and when you put something, and when you forget that you did something in the show and just and contradict it or just do it all over again, in your reunion special, like it's gonna the the, the viewers are gonna notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also seems like a lot of what Amy did in the re. Reunion, reboot, re-something was sort of like based on her half-cocked outlines, but did not adjust for the fact that it's been ten years. Mm-hmm. So, like Rory's whole storyline of this is how a struggling freelance journalist works. No, it's not. Is sort of makes sense if you're 24, but not if you're 34. Mm-hmm. And her whole I'm trying to get a meeting with Condé Nast. Thing and I wrote one piece for was it the New Yorker the, the Atlantic New yeah. the New Yorker and I'm gonna try and dine out on that for a while. Yeah, presumably she's had a ten year career. Where did that go? Right. Like you haven't written five pieces in ten years. That's not a career. No. How is she making a living? Well, <laughs> that's an excellent while question. while affording flights between the U.S. and London several on times a year. Yeah, several times a year. She has a trust fund that she got access at at 25. That Amy Sherman-Palladino forgot about. Probably. 
her dad has a whole bunch of money, which some of which went to Rory, I believe. And presumably she inherited some from her grandfather. However, at some point in like the third episode, she's like, I am broke and I have none money. Yeah. None money whatsoever. So like I, I don't know how big this trust funds these trust funds were. But they must have been substantial. I mean, how many flights to London? I guess if you're always getting first class and drinking your way through it, I guess you could burn through it in 10 years if you tried really, really hard. Wait, yeah. It's an excellent question and is completely unclear. And is another victim of the showrunners just not paying attention to what's going on. And I mean, considering that we had a show which uh, which was about essentially Lorelai, however, you know, we, much we joke about her being sociopathic in personal relationships, the fact that she she started a business, for, she worked her way up and then started a business from scratch and, and really tried to financially be as independent as possible. The whole like point of the plot was that she went back to her parents for money for Rory specifically. And then we have Rory, who was, unlike Lorelai, who was raised in wealth, Rory was raised poor. And I know we had that whole plot with she went off the rails and decided to be a spoiled rich girl at, you know, at the end, what, season six or so, five or six. Mm-hmm. But, like, just the way she behaves, just, some like, it doesn't feel like somebody who was raised poor. You know what I mean? This is somebody who's used to throwing money away. Yeah. It just doesn't ring authentic to what the character's supposed to be. How aware is the show of the wealth and privilege of its characters and how that will instantly make them somewhat less relatable, particularly to that younger audience that they're going after? Or does it not acknowledge that at all? The show is always such a, like, little fantasy of... Like, like that, that, that Connecticut town, which, you know, Amy Sherman really kind of picked out of a hat and as somebody who, uh, like, my, my husband's family, my in-laws literally live in the area that Stars Hollow is. You know, they are in a small town just outside of Hartford, Connecticut. So at the time I first started watching the show, I didn't really know anything about it. Rewatching now during the marathon, I was like, that's not how they talk. That's not what the towns look like. That's not what anything is, Amy Sherman Blondino. Although, although, <laughs> those who do live in towns that is governed by the town meeting, surprisingly, she got that right. So there's that. <laughs> so essentially what I'm saying is that reunion was kind of frustrating and not really that satisfying. There no. were bits of it, like seeing Paris again being uber successful in, in the career they gave her, that that was nice. I think that fit. But then that little freak out she had in the school made no sense. It didn't, but it was funny. Because yeah. anytime you give Liza Wilde a chance to monologue at great volume and great speed... You've done a service to the world. That's Especially accurate. when she plants her stiletto heel into the door to keep somebody from coming in. I'll post it that just was hilarious. The <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the big uh, I guess I'll do a spoiler warning, but it's been all over the internet for now. So the big ending is the one that Amy Sherman Palladino has always planned was to Rory to say, I'm pregnant. Wait, that's how it ends? That's it how ends it ends. Rory saying, Ma, like, Ma, Mom. yeah. I'm pregnant. Yeah, I'm pregnant. That's how it ends? That's how it ends. That's her final four words. That's what she waited a decade and a half to write? Yes. 
wow, gender essentialism marched, sweetheart. Right. Which, again, this sort of creates some sort of tension if you're like, Rory is 24. But at 34, you're like, well, you're going to have to get yourself a job. But it's not like you're barely out of teenagerhood. And that scene where she goes to Christopher and essentially asks him permission to keep the child a secret from whoever the father is, which mathematically can only be Logan. No, it's not the Wookiee, yeah. Unless, mathematically, unless she slept with Jess off screen. Probably not. Which probably not, but, you know, Amy Sherpa-Faldina will write it in if she can get Milovan to to come back. Which, why are we having any, nobody's asking for for more of this, Amy Sherpa-Faldina. But mathematically, it can only be Logan. And do not go to your father and say, can I have, like... Can I have a baby out of wedlock and not tell the father? Yeah, like, is it okay if I completely exclude the father from this child's life? Impairment! Yeah. Okay, I feel like I've made the right decision in not watching this show ever. No, do you I mean, definitely your, gotten your, your it? Your recaps of it are far more entertaining than me watching yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, was it okay? Other than that, you know, Richard Herman passed away, and that was so sad. So they had, sorry, not Richard, Edward Herman passed away, so Richard. Richard Gilmore. Richard Gilmore in the show was, like, you know, his death kind of loomed over the show, and that was suitably sad and made me cry and all that, just because, mm-hmm. oh, God, and now the actors' names have fallen out. Emily, the actresses. Kelly Bishop. Kelly Bishop, thank you. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> that was touching, you know, like, that. obviously she's an amazing actress and just, but it wasn't enough to, I guess, make up totally for where the show let me down. Oh, so as a segue then, in other Netflix news, this is something I haven't seen yet because it only came out yesterday, but this will be probably interesting to our listeners. So the series of unfortunate events, mm-hmm. Netflix original starring Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf. It was on Netflix yesterday. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Well, I think a lot of people haven't. I mean, it's only been out for one day, but it's just something. Oh, I imagine there are people who woke up this morning and binged through it. Yes, I am looking forward to that. I have the day off on Monday for Martin Luther King Day, or as Biloxi, Mississippi calls it, Great Americans Day. Oh, God. Yeah. Not racist? No, not racist at all. Great Americans come in every color, Kaylee. God. <laughs> Including sleeve owner color, apparently. Yeah. Yes. So I'm planning on watching it. Yeah, I'm going to start watching it next week. I mean, I was a little apprehensive, but those reviews are really strong. And I also feel that Patrick Warburton as Lemony Snicket is such impeccable casting that <laughs> that alone has got me in the door. Because uh, yeah. I, I generally quite like the film. Like, I think the film is, is almost underrated, Jim Carrey is Jim carrying it up, but the, the visuals of that film, the supporting cast, the the general sensibility of it are all really wonderful. Mm-hmm. But that the problem with that film is that Lemony Snicket is Jude Law. Yeah. Which is just dull. Like, come on, just get Tim yeah, Curry. You... He was doing the audiobooks. Yeah, but also you barely see Lemony Snicket in the movie anyway. So, like, literally you see his profile and that's pretty much it. Which is yeah. accurate, so then, yeah, just get the actor with the great voice for the role. It's just... I love those books. I, I like the movie a lot, too, and I think those books are... I guess underappreciated is not right, because I think they were very popular, but what really impressed me about them is that 
the the whole kind of through line of the books is oh this is really depressing this isn't going to have a happy ending this is going to end badly and i always wonder to myself well, yeah but these are kids books like how do you end a kids book badly but still have a satisfying ending and i really do think daniel handler pulled it off mm. in in having the ending that is an ending that is a satisfying ending but still you see where kind of this this essential darkness of the books is yeah. still coming through. So I was really impressed. So I'm, I'm glad that the adaptations are also keeping up the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. I guess in other Netflix offerings this year that we're looking forward to is, uh, I mean, there's the continuation of our Marvel Netflix universe. Yep. Which I think this year is The Defenders. I believe you. And uh, Iron Fist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I feel like Iron Fist is not going to go over well. Probably not. You mean that one guy Khaleesi used to bang is not going to be bringing in all the... That is where we know him from, right? Or is that not... No, wait, no, it's Laura. I thought he was a different guy. Yeah. No, he's a different guy. Some Sorry, he's a different guy. guy. <laughs> yeah. He's a different guy. He was. He played He played Loras, I believe. He played one of the other guys. Either way, not particularly impressed or necessary or any of that. Yeah. But the Defenders released actually has does not have a release date as of yet. Um, Iron Fist will be on March 17th, so it'll be St. Patrick's Day. You can get nice and drunk if you care. There are there, there does seem to be some some interesting looking things coming up on Netflix. Uh, at some point later in the year, we're getting Mindhunter, which is from David Fincher and mm-hmm. Charlie Sparrow, and it stars Jonathan Groff, aka King George from Hamilton, and it's. Basically sounds like Hannibal, but more cerebral and less weird. Wait, so, wasn't that the name of the original movie adaptation? The Manhunter is the original. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, Manhunter is the name of the... Oh, was it John Douglas? Yes, it's John Douglas. Yeah, John Douglas's book about hunting serial killers while in the FBI unit that served as an inspiration for Crawford. And there's lines being drawn all over the place. Probably not nearly enough plaid. There's a Val Kilmer movie, <laughs> Mind Hunters. It's in which a bunch of FBI trainees, like the serial killer profile trainees, are dropped on this like island, which is set up as a maze for them to solve, like a puzzle solving exercise. Except one of them's really a serial killer, so he starts killing them all. Naturally, it's not this. Val Kilmer plays <laughs> their like the instructor. Uh, well, this one, the Mind Hunter, that's coming on on Netflix. David Fincher's executive producing it, so is Charlize Theron. It's being written by Joe Penhall, who's a really prominent British playwright. I, I studied him in university for a bit. He's actually very good. A lot of, you know, no fuckery with his plays. Jonathan Groff and Anna Tarver are going to be in it. It's basically about FBI agents who interview serial killers to help solve ongoing cases. It's basically Clarice and Will meet Hannibal, but there won't be as much weird Ravenstag plaid homoeroticism dinner fun gonna be a lot more sort of precise and cerebral so take of that what you will but you know i am in the mood for a really good kind of crime procedural that isn't just like Mm -hmm. like criminal minds really is really difficult to watch you guys hannibal is my favorite show and i find criminal minds unwatchably sad yeah there's just a lot of like dismembered and hurt naked women lying across things yeah and it's just never gonna end i i watched that show for a couple of seasons and then i just got tired oh i see what i'm looking forward to on netflix Hmm. the santa clarita diet yes 
Oh, you know, what? I was so not into that until I found out what the kind of central conceit of the show is, and I was like, "Give it, I'm here, I'm here for this." <laughs> it's goop for zombies and cannibals. Yes, I'm here for that. Uh, they had a very entertaining ad with Drew Barrymore during the Golden Globes, where she was talking about how she gets to eat anyone she wants and still has this body. It's great. It's being made by uh, Victor Fresco, who did a very criminally underrated ABC series called Better Off Ted, mm-hmm. which was about a guy called Ted who basically works for an evil corporation run by Portia de Rossi. Yeah. And it is so funny. If you've never seen it before, you may have seen the meme of the Asian woman, te- Asian woman and black guy telling the white guy, statistically speaking, I'm more average than you are when he calls her exotic. I will dig it up for you. But I'm very excited for this because I like Drew Barrymore and I like Timothy Oliphant. Mm-hmm. I like Timothy Oliphant. And I, you know, I'm not a huge zombie fan, but I am a really big fan of very specifically weird comedies that go to very dark places, like Pushing Daisies. So I am very excited for Goop Zombies. Mm-hmm. She's getting paid a lot of money to do that show, by the way. Apparently, Dear White People Bees turned into a Netflix original this year, based on the movie. Okay. Yeah, I heard about that. Okay. It's an interesting concept, so why not? What else have we got coming? Um... There's the Netflix, Netflix is doing an adaptation of Anne of Green Gables, which we'll see. Yeah. It will probably be better than the one that PBS started airing with uh, Martin Sheen as Matthew. Because Martin Sheen just talks too much. It's not who Matthew is. Martin Sheen can't help himself. It's, Does he walk and talk? He, he just talks. It doesn't work. <laughs> Don't work, Kaylee. No. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Game of Thrones alumni, there are a couple on Netflix. So Jason Momoa stars in Frontier, which came out this year that I haven't seen, and um, Richard Madden is that his name? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stars in the uh, the Medici one, the Masters of Florence. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen either one of them, but they look costumed and historical and fun and. At some point, I'm probably going to check out both. I'm excited for, but I don't think it's going to come out this year. I think it'll be next year, um, Alias Grace, which is based on the Margaret Atwood novel. It's going to be very, very Canadian because mm-hmm. Mary Harron is directing it um, and Sarah Polly is writing it. It's about Grace Marks, who was convicted of killing her boss, I think, in the 1800s and then was let go. Uh, I have I have the book. The book is very dry in a way that I don't entirely gel with. It's not my kind of Margaret Atwood, but I, I do like historical dramas. Mm-hmm. And I like I like Anna Paquin, who's going to be in it. I I like Zachary Levi in things. I don't like Zachary Le- Levi himself, <laughs> but I, I feel like we don't get enough, you know, good old fashioned Canadian historical dramas. So I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Yay, Canada! Yay, Canada! Um... Spe- uh, speaking of Margaret Atwood and TV series that are coming out. Yes! The Handmaid's Tale is coming out on Hulu. When's our drop date for that? The Apocalypse, I believe. Apocalypse, yeah. Uh, April 26th. Yeah, before it was like, well, this is a warning, and now we're like, well, this is just prescient, possibly. It's got quite a cast. It's got an amazing cast. Um, the trailer, the first trailer recently dropped, and it looks amazing. So, 
we'll see if the country is in a place to actually watch it. I've seen a lot of people going, I, I don't know if I can. I'll see how yeah. I feel in April. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that's me as well. <laughs> I have always shied away from The Handmaid's Tale because it hits a little too close to my personal, very uncomfortable quick points. Yeah. In terms of, you know, subject matter. So it was like, I understand why this book exists and why people call it great, but I don't think I could emotionally handle mm-hmm. yeah. like, reading it. And the thing is, there's so much in it that makes it seem like it's going to be great. Uh, the cast, I love Elizabeth Moss. I love Samira Wiley. And out is wonderful. I liked Joseph Fiennes before he did the Michael Jackson thing. Which has got cancelled. Uh, which, which got, got cancelled. Oh god, it was it was it was like the mask, the Jim Carrey movie, but it was white. It was it was really weird. Oh, and wrong. Sad. And I don't know why. Like I remember like people putty. talking about it. I remember when it was originally announced, and I always figured it would get cancelled back then. Well, so did I. I thought it had been cancelled. Yeah. And it's what's kind of a pity though is I would have liked to have seen Stalker Channing play Luce Taylor in something, just not this. Right. Well, Brian Cox is also playing Marlon Brando. Like those two bits of casting, it was like I want to see that. I actually wouldn't have minded seeing that story done because it's such a ridiculous story that I think would make a really funny farce. But oh my god, Joseph Fiennes is Michael Jackson. Mm, just no, no. Why? Let's not. Yeah. Just, just how about we not? Rafe, come and collect your brother. Mm. Come and pick him up and tell him what he's done. So yeah, Handmaid's Tale. I mean, I love the book. It's one of my favourite books, but it's always a prescient subject, unfortunately. It's yeah. just, right now, it is even more prescient. Yes. It does look beautiful, though. It's been directed by Reed Moreno, who's uh, one of the top women cinematographers in America. Mm-hmm. So it looks stunning. But yeah, it's going to be one of those, you know, I... Um, and I'm not in a good place to watch that. Right. That's going to be on Hulu, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I'm also quite excited for uh, another show you might have heard of. It's called American Gods. Um, isn't there some guy who we like who's involved in that one? Uh, Ryan. Ryan something. Filler? It's Miller? Mueller? Ryan Filler. Filler! Filler! I think Filler! Right! Yes. Oh, that guy! Him! He, he did a little show called Hannibal. You might have heard us talk about it a little bit. Maybe. Probably not. We're, we're, fond, we're fond of it. Yeah. Okay, so they've been trying to get American Gods based on the Neil Gaiman book made for about a decade. Originally, Tom Hanks was going to executive producer for HBO, and even he couldn't get it off the ground. So when it was announced, hey, Brian Fuller's going to have a go at doing it, I think there was kind of a, is he going to do it for? Is he? Because, like, yeah, right. <laughs> I've been hurt before. <laughs> we, we've been hurt before, and also, no offense, Brian, but you're kind of cursed. <laughs> but it's coming to TV, you guys. It's coming in April, I believe, is their tentative air date. The basic premise is uh, Shadow Moon, who's a man who's um, just been released from prison, finds out that his wife was killed in a car accident. So, lost and forlorn, he decides to accept a job from a mysterious man called Mr. Wednesday. Who needs him to accompany him to visit some friends? And it turns out that they are the gods of old. Basically, the gods that people have stopped worshipping from Norse mythology, Egyptian mythology, and so on. And he needs them because he needs to gather the old gods against the new gods and in a battle of power. And by the new gods, they don't mean the Christian god, they mean the internet and capitalism. Media, Media. the internet, cancer is one in the book as well. Hmm. Um, So. 
it's a really i mean i really like the book the thing about the book is it's not really got a plot it's just let's go meet this god and then let's go find out what this god's doing and then this god eats a man with her vagina yep i'm so excited for that scene you guys yes and we know (laughs) because sean armstrong tweeted about it Brian Fuller was bragging about how it was, he was so excited to do that scene the moment he got the job. I was like, oh, Brian, never change. The thing that makes me very... There's a number of things that make me very excited for the show. One is the cast. First of all, Shadow Moon is being played by an actor of colour. He was not whitewashed. He's being played by Ricky Whittle, who is best known to Americans for the CW show The 100 and is best known to Brits for being the runner-up on his season of Strictly Come Dancing. Aww. He was very good. He was also on Hollyoaks, which is like our version of a CW soap opera. But he's best known for Strictly. He was very good. He did a lot of hip shaking. We will well, post videos if you're interested. He was also in Austin Land. He was, yes. Um, and he was in Mistresses, the American version. Like, he was doing some good bit part acting. And then things did not end well in the 100. Because that show just decided, you know, let's totally not bind to cliche by killing think? off the, yeah. the queer characters or the black characters. Yeah. So he got out, luckily, and is now headlining this show. But he's also got some incredible actors with him. Ian McShane is playing Mr. Wednesday, which is so perfect a piece of casting, it makes me cry. Pablo Schreiber is in it. Jonathan Tucker, Crispin Glover, Peter Stormare, who's of course Kristen playing... Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen Chenoweth is playing Easter. Cloris Leachman. Gillian Anderson is playing Media, and if you've read the book, you'll know that Media um, appears to Shadow Moon through the television in the guise of different people, like uh, Lucille Ball and Marilyn Monroe, <laughs> which is going to be very exciting. There's promo shots of her as Lucille Ball, and it's fantastic no that was a photo shoot, a photo shoot she did years ago oh was it that's not that's not connected to the show at uh, all that's just something that she did she also did a photo shoot as morticia adams which is awesome so like i feel like brian fuller has a scrapbook somewhere he was just ca- gathering and was like oh this would work orlando jones is playing mr nancy which is perfect you know, another person yeah. who escaped a sinking ship for tv show to go to better shores yeah Man, isn't it sad that Sleepy Hollow got cancelled after one season? I know. Yeah, I know. It showed such potential. Mm. <laughs> oh, well. If you're a fan of, uh, you know, the, the Brian Fuller verse, just in terms of his ensembles, you'll recognize a lot of people. Jonathan Tucker is going to be in this, playing Loki Lysmith. Loki. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loki. Yep. That's, um, that's Matthew from Hannibal. Tobias from Hannibal is going to be in it as well. I believe he's playing Mr. Ibis. Yeah, Jeremy Davis, who is oh, who's the guy that got kicked by the who's the guy who put the social worker in the horse? The guy who put the social worker in the horse. He's, the guy who put the social worker in the horse is playing Jesus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I remember uh, being impressed by that. I'm just being impressed by it. Over I, I don't remember that from the book though. Was there a flashback one yeah. of the? He is in the book, but they never. I don't think they ever refer to him as such. Mm-hmm. He's just like this guy with a beard, mm. who's kind of moving around. See, that's the problem with the book, because it doesn't have a plot so much. Yeah. It's easy to forget some of the... Because it's kind of like just a travelogue around America and staying in various spots. So you can forget... It's easy to forget some of the things if it's been a few years since we read in. Oh, yeah. Mm. And also, I was interested to hear uh, Neil Gaiman has created a new character specifically for the show called Vulcan. Um, mm-hmm. who's, um, he is of the religion of guns. <laughs> How prescient is that? Hmm. And there's also a bunch of other cool people in the show. I mean, Dane Cook is going to be in it. And if you've read the book, knowing the character he plays, like, you're going to be excited to watch that happen to Dane Cook. <laughs> um, so it is just, obviously I'm very worked up for this show because it's basically 
here's all the things you like. Let's yeah. put them all one nice thing. And if you saw the trailer they played at Comic-Con last year, it is it's really stunning. It looks yep. beautiful. There's a lot of high hopes for this one. Stars have been kind of knocking it out of the park the past couple of years. Yeah. Considering they were usually, you know, the the dumping ground sort of... They're not quite HBO. They're not even quite Showtime. But they've really upped their game. I think um, Outlander kind of helped them with that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And also Black Sails. Black Sails is good fun. Yeah. My dad watched like a little bit of Black Sails, and what he's interested in is ships, and there isn't <laughs> oh. as much ships as he wanted. And he's like, I understand that it's really expensive to shoot ships, but I wanted more ships and maybe less. <laughs> I will say, um, your your dad is watching Black Sails. My dad has been watching Outlander. Oh God. Honestly, he seems like he's still watching it. He's watched up to second season, so I assume he enjoyed it on some level. But I said, "You got to the end of season one." I said, so "What did you think?" And he just sort of went, "It's awfully fucking rapey, isn't it?" <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, Dad." He's like, "Why is it rapey?" I was like, "I don't know, Dad." I don't know. I Does can't... it get rapey? It gets rapier, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't you know. wait to meet your dad. <laughs> like you, you, you have stood Game of Thrones, but you think this is rapey? <laughs> so. My, my dad had two weeks off for Christmas, which he basically spent watching Band of Brothers over and over again on the couch. <laughs> which is like the most dad moment ever, I think. So yeah, that and watching the darts, which is a very British dad thing. Like people throwing darts at... That, that's what that means? Yeah, like you know the dartboard where you have to yeah. score different like, They it's televise a, it, Raiden. They televise it? Oh god, yeah! It was—it's literally on like eight hours a day here during the January Christmas season. Why? Because <laughs> it's something that you can watch while getting drunk that requires absolutely no effort, and all of the people who play that sport, frankly, they're not the most uh, distinguished-looking of athletes. <laughs> oh my god! This is the best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Darts is really popular here for things like an event that you go to with a big group of your friends dressed in costume and you drink extensively throughout. I see. It's it's basically like a stag do, but some people are on stage throwing darts at a board. And then there are also cheerleaders scantily clad because that's what that sport fucking needed. I will send you clips later. (laughs) This is amazing. I didn't know I was looking forward to reading finding out about darts. Like, I think it must be a very Eurocentric. I need... Um, I need a, a minute. Oh. <laughs> Wait, this is what broke you? <laughs> it's been a long year! <laughs> you, you take a minute. I'm gonna usher us on to my list of uh, movie releases for 2017. So, coming up pretty soon in February, we have, a, on the same day, John Wick 2... Which I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, but, you know, I think John Wick was really good, and I think the mythology that show established is interesting, and I'm, but it's very easily one of those that can fall apart if you start trying to give it too many rules, because it's, it's a kind of absurd thing that really doesn't have rules. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but a little worried. And Kaylee, the Lego Batman movie is coming out on the same day. Right. Like, I could, I, could you believe that this is the Batman movie I'm excited for? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, DC have blown my investment and excitement and basically fandom of 
of Batman to the point where the only one I'm excited for is the Lego one. Although I am slightly less excited after finding out that in the Lego Batman movie, Barbara Gordon and Batman are dating. Uh, what now? It's like no. fucking your best. It's like fucking your best friend's daughter. Yeah, sure. Why not? Ew. No. What? No. No. Although I am excited to see. <sighs> Thanks Harry. for ruining it for us, Kelly. Well, they already ruined it for everyone else. DC can't help themselves. No. Yeah, I'm just shooting the messenger. It's fine. Fifty Shades Darker about. comes out on the same day in uh, uh-huh. in the list of things we're not looking forward to, but we'll nope. see. What? Nope. Not gonna do it. Not gonna do all it. I, all, I can't take it. all I want from it is Dakota Johnson not giving a single fuck during that press tour, and then occasionally nice photos of Hugh Dancy in a good suit. That's all I want. Yeah. Why? Wait, is he in it? Why are you? He is in it. He is he's playing Christian Grey's psychiatrist, so he gets to be the evil therapist for once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, going down the list. Train Spotting 2 comes out uh, March 3rd. Oh, yes. is, is that big de- a big deal in Scotland? Oh, Christ, yes. Like, I I understand that it's a much bigger deal right now in Edinburgh, obviously, because it's an Edinburgh set story, but it is. I mean, it has dominated. Train Spotting has dominated the cultural sphere of Scotland since it came out in 96. It's, hu- it's a huge deal here. And the fact that it is actually we're getting the sequel this long after it the fact that it actually came together was a really big deal here so i mean i i will be seeing it i will um the weekend it comes out i'm taking my sister away so we won't get it there but i mean i'll be i'll be there because it's train spotting and train spotting is a huge deal for me and my family it's one of those films that everyone in my family can sit down and watch together because nothing says family unity like junkies and dead babies the f- the fun thing about that trailer is just how clearly neither Johnny Lee Miller or Ewan McGregor have aged. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't look any different. <laughs> On the same day in movies this year, it's going to be Logan, which is, I believe, Hugh Jackman's last... At least last Hugh Jackman is. says it's his last one. We'll see. Mm. He's been saying that for a while now. So, yeah. The- the trailer. Look, if you're go- if you are into the post-apocalyptic, like dark, grim, dark movies, the trailer looks good. Yeah, sure. I don't understand where it's supposed to fit in this new and improved Fox X-Men movie chronology. Because I read one review which said set two years after the future in which Wolverine wakes up in the first class. No, no, the first the one after the Days first class. Days of Future past. past. Days of Future Past. And I'm like, but he fixed that future. He woke up. And everything's fine. How is it two years later we are in a post-apocalyptic wasteland? What did you do? I don't think Fox cares anymore, to be honest. Nope. They're just trying to hold on to the rights. <laughs> now, let, let, let me uh, fake nerd girl here for a minute. Logan is based on uh, on Old Man Logan, like a run written by Mark Miller. So you already know how we're going to feel about that. <sighs> Which I haven't read, so I went to Wikipedia for a summary, and it contains the following sentence. Needing money to pay rent to his landlords, the Hulk gang, parentheses, the incestuous hillbilly grandchildren of the Hulk and his first cousin, She-Hulk. What? What? And that is the point at which I stopped and said, this was written by somebody who loathes comics. Nobody who loves or even likes the X-Men comics would do this to them. Or like the the Marvel Universe would do this. The person Isn't that who wrote kind of his defining trait, Mark Miller, though? 
like Kingsman and Kick-Ass and all the stuff that he's written just seems entirely defined by I hate this genre and I'm going to show you how you know, dark and nihilistic it really is. And I'm just like, oh, don't cut yourself on the edge, man. Marvel paid him to do this to their characters. I mean, he wrote Civil War. We already know what kind of mess he gets into. Mm. This doesn't surprise me, fool. I mean, have you seen what Marvel's doing right now with the uh, Captain America series? Yeah. I try not to, but Tumblr keeps me informed. Mm. Tumblr, what you do instead of things. Basically, yeah. This is why, as a teenager, I read Witchblade instead. I'm not saying it had better, like, <laughs> gender politics. At least Witchblade is but... about what it is. Yeah. Like, I-, I will say, I think Logan looks interesting for the people it is made for. It's not made for me. But, like, it would be nice to see that kind of old-school, loner, western-style story put into a superhero realm. Mm-hmm. Because... As reliable as the Marvel format is, it's a very specific format that they are not really moving out of mm-hmm. in terms of Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. So if that gives Fox a chance to kind of have some fun, then, you know, go for it. Are they the ones that fucked up Fantastic Four or was that another studio? Well, that, was that was Fox. Sony? Okay. No, Sony's just Spider-Man, I think. Okay. Pretty sure Fantastic. Uh, let's Google Fantastic. Fan four stick four. Yeah, it's twentieth century five. It's Tibia Fox. Okay. Right. It's but so hard to keep to track of a... who's got what. <laughs> but they actually seem to give a fuck about Wolverine and the X Men. They never cared about Fantastic Four. It's true. But I really I do really want the Vanity Fair oral history of the making of Fan Four Stick that's gonna get written in like four or five years' time. Hmm. I mean Kate Mara and Jamie Bell are now getting married, so some good came out of that film. That's true. I keep forgetting that she's Rooney Mara's sister. She is, right? They look exactly yes. the same. I keep I know, forgetting but they're I keep two different people. That they, like, I forget that the other one exists when I'm seeing one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do think they're the same person. I forget that there's two, periodically. I think Rooney's more the uh, the indie star than, than Kate is. Yeah. yeah. I like both. I'm not putting them against one another. No. Also, in March, Kong Skull, Skull Island, because we need another oh, King Kong movie. Can I just say, okay, two things. One, Academy Award winner Brie Larson is in this movie, and in the two trailers that they have shown so far, she does not say one word. Yep. And two, John Vaught Roberts, the director of this, his first film was called uh, Kings of Summer, which was a very well-received indie project that made about a million dollars at the box office. This is his second movie. Yep. But you need experience in order to direct a movie if you have a vagina. Women need experience. Men just need that scrappy, you know, scruffy hair and baseball cap uh, upstart look. Mm -hmm. I just like, I tweeted something like to the effect of the bar is set very high for women directors in a way that's really hard to scale. And immediately the responses I got were not just wildly misogynistic, they were incredibly anti Semitic. Oh, God. It immediately went into, well, the Jews control the media. It's like, fuck off. Okay. I'm going to skip the rest of March just to get out of it. Beauty and the Beast, meh, Ghost in the Shell. Oh, look, we just have to save Kong Skull Island. It might save Tom Hiddleston's career, right? Maybe. Maybe. I will say that I saw the trailer for Ghost in the Shell, and, like, the opening shot is so beautiful, and I was like, oh, I want this, and then I realized what movie it was, and I was like, oh, I don't want this at all. <laughs> this but is... also, Power Rangers, uh, maybe, and apparently Chips the movie. 
Okay, let me get back to Power Rangers. Let me <laughs> for just a minute. Because they announced, we're making a Power Rangers movie. And I was like, oh, God, why? And then I saw the trailer. And I was like, oh, shit, I want this, though. Yeah. Really? I yeah, do, and I, I, I kind of why, do. And I feel really bad about it, but I want it. Give me just take my twelve dollars, please. The heart wants what it wants. Don't feel bad. <laughs> I mean, I I was a wild Power Rangers fan as a kid, but for me, just watching that trailer, it was like, isn't this it's Chronicle? And also, it's Breakfast Club meets Chronicle. Um, I, and then I looked at the writers and I realized I that, it, and I feel bad about it, but I want it. And then I looked at the writers and I realized that Max Landis is involved in this. It was like, bye. Shit, you're making me feel even worse. Because I think I secretly actually love Elizabeth Banks. Also, I'm just fascinated by the budgeting of this movie. Because originally when it was announced, it was apparently going to be about $35 million. Then there was a report that it went up to about $75 million. Wikipedia now has it listed as $150 million. Well, they keep on piling CGI onto it. Like, are they writing off something here? Finally demanded a paycheck she deserves. Like, is this going to be like Monster Trucks? Probably. No. Monster Trucks didn't happen. I am moving into April to I just saw the name of the next Fast and the Furious movie and uh, The Fate of the Furious. I yep. love it. It makes it sound like one of Vin Diesel's uh, Dungeons and Dragons games. <laughs> yep, it probably I bet is. he demanded that title. Charlie Sparrow and Helen Mirren are in this one, guys. I yep. even need to catch up on that series. I feel like I, I do too. I haven't watched any of them, and I feel like I would enjoy them. I haven't watched since the fourth one, so I really I'm like three movies, four movies behind now. So also, at least the first one is not on Netflix, and I feel like I can't just dive into this franchise in the middle. I feel like I'll be very confused with all sorts of unanswered questions. <laughs> like what happens when you send forty cars over a cliff? Does it go boom? <laughs> Let's see. I don't know. Let's find out. It's of curious, it always goes Somebody find me some cards. Let's go. Hands on that bombshell. Yeah. <laughs> on May fifth, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I I'm still not done being pissed at the first one for what it did. Honestly, the more I think about that movie, the more it just kind of pisses me off. Cause like, the, just the way it treated Gamora, I cannot get. That's the thing. That's the thing. That movie that I went into, and just like everybody, I was gonna be jazzed about it, and I was gonna love it, and then, and then the person who never speaks in metaphors because he doesn't understand it, It's still, but he understands it enough to call Gamora a whore like it's an insult. Oh, and let's zoom in on her ass. Because yep. here's Zola Saldana's, like, oh, movie, what? Strong, Sorry. independent woman. Yep. Oh, I'm going to see it. I'm not going to feel good about it, though. <laughs> and also, Chris is definitely, he's, like, off the Chris list. Oh, isn't he? Isn't he? So off the Chris list. If any Chris was ever going to get caught saying all lives matter on tape, it would be fucking Pratt. Oh, I didn't even know about that. Oh, did you, oh, did, he did an interview with like his big Vanity Fair puff piece, and he was asked about the Donald Trump grabbing by the pussy comment, and he was his worst thing about that for him, the thing that offended him the most about that, was Donald Trump calling himself a celebrity. Not the, you know, the grabbing by the pussy sexual assault part. Cock. <laughs> I'm just saying, Pine is the best Chris. Let's just... Deal with it now. Evans I will also accept. But, you know, Pine has worked hard. Let's give him the spot. And after, oh god, May is going to be a busy month because we also have the King Arthur. Yay! I'm legit excited for this. I don't care. 
Okay. It looks so, so dumb. King Russian, Arthur and the Russian. bros of the round table. Come on. Yes. Okay, I've got a question though. Yes. Speaking of the Chris list. Is there is always movement on the Chris list. When yes. is the movie with Evans and Jenny Slate coming out? Gifted. Oh, I saw that on the list. It was April. Uh, April, yes. Just before The Fate of the Furious. Yeah, I saw a preview for that last night, and I am here for it. Because it involves Octavia Spencer squaring off with Lindsay Duncan. And that is a battle royale that I'm here for. I love that Captain America's projects of choice when he's not being Captain America are thoughtful, sweet, romantic dramedies. Yeah. Really sensitive pieces of work, you know? <laughs> he understands us, you know? He, he gets us. He does. He understands that he's like, no, I do this for the money so I can do the stuff that I really want to do. And I like the choices that he makes. As opposed to some other people whose choices just make me go, really? Such okay. as? Uh, Jeffrey Rush, sometimes, his choices make me go, really? You know what? Boys gotta get paid. <laughs> Can't I know. Come out of that. But I'm still perplexed by Mystery Men. It's been like 15 years, and I'm still sort of like, it's an interesting choice you made there, dude. Wait, that perplexes you, but not Gods of Egypt? He's in that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that movie didn't exist. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, bless Jared Butler. You, well, I was going to say you try. I don't know if you do. Also- we like them happening in May are Alien Covenant and why is it not the adventures of Elizabeth and David's head? I I will never know but it is something else in that universe and probably just like with Prometheus I'll see it and be like well (laughs) yeah (laughs) friend of mine saw it several times to figure out if he liked it or not. I still don't know if he did (laughs) Does your friend know if he likes it or not still? Because I wouldn't be so sure (laughs) I will ask uh, I will say that the cast of Alien Covenant, I like the fact that they're actually just calling it an alien movie, because Prometheus tried to hide the fact that it was an alien movie, and I think Ridley Scott's just gone, fuck it, yes it is. Yep. Yes, Catherine Waterston deliberately looks like Ridley. Uh, Ripley, I mean, she, she does. I mean, the haircut and everything. And I like her, she's a great actress, so I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. It's a great cast, and also James Franco, so. Mm. <laughs> also coming out in May, Baywatch. Yes. No. Honestly, The Rock and Zac Efron look so muscly in that trailer that it looks like it's painful to be them. <laughs> okay. Look, I, I, I will trust Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson will not let me down. <laughs> We've got to say his full name, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's mm. very charming in Moana. He's charming in everything. I, I, I trust true. him. Also, Pirates of the Caribbean, because we asked for it, I guess. How's yeah. the Caribbean colon? Who the fuck asked for this? <laughs> Jeffrey Rush is in that one as well because, like, choices. Why is Javi- Javier Bardem? You do not need this. No. You've got a sister, you're a Bond villain, you're married to Penelope Cruz. You don't need this. I need to see his hair in the trailer because we all know the rule of Javier Bardem's hair. He doesn't hair. have much. He doesn't have all of the head, as I recall. Well, then no, the movie's he's playing gonna a suck. ghost. <laughs> he's yeah. playing. He's playing a ghost, and the ghosts are even more dilapidated than they were in the original movie. I'm interested to see how that does, because I saw the fourth film, and I couldn't tell you a single thing that happens in that film. 
Is that the one like, with the mermaids? Ian McShane is in it. I know that. Okay. Penelope Cruz is in it. It's the one with the mermaids. There's a mermaid in it. Yes, there is. And there's one I line remember I remember. Nothing where, nothing. The one line I remember is Penelope Cruz screams to Jack Sparrow, I'm pregnant. And he turns around and says, shockingly, I've never been that drunk. And I was like, ah, I like that line. And then I never remembered anything else of that film again. It, it was dark. I couldn't see a lot of it. Yeah. So I'm interested to see if it does, like, maybe it does well in the international market. I'm assuming that there are people who don't give a fuck about Johnny Depp's personal life. So. Mm. Yeah. Like, like the producers of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Mm. Mm. But right. the thing is, but also it, it can't open in China because it's got ghosts in it. That is true. I'm interested to see how that affects it. But the problem is, the week after Pirates of the uh, Five comes out, there is a little film called Wonder Woman. Yes. And I know please be, please be good. Please be good. I will even just accept okay. Because after Suicide Squad, which is legitimately the worst film I have ever seen. Like, I will say that it took over that Madonna movie about Wallace Simpson. It is legitimately the worst movie I've ever seen. My hopes for DC are, like, core, magma core level of negative. Yeah. Even though it's got the best Chris in it, even though it's got Patty Jenkins directing it, and I, I assume Gal Gadot can act. I didn't watch Batman v Superman. I don't know. Well, she wasn't given much to do, but... I'm excited for, you know, a period piece as well, in the way that the Captain America, the first one, was. I yep. think that's the right way to do Wonder Woman. I'm excited to see where that goes. I don't have much faith in the movie. Not for the, you know, I think Jenkins is going to do what she can. I don't trust DC to keep their sticky paws off it. I don't trust Zack Snyder to keep his horribly sticky, mangled paws off it. Yeah. Frankly, I just don't trust men with Wonder Woman, or men in general, you know? Hmm. So, I would like it to do well, because this is only... She's only the second woman director in history to get a budget over $100 million. Ava DuVernay will be the third. Wow. But you know, women need experience. Right. So, that is... I mean, I will support it, and I will be happy to support it, because I love Wonder Woman, but I'm just... If it is bad, I'm not going to be shocked or surprised. It will mm. still sting, but I'm not going to be surprised. Mm. Uh, and I, the week after Wonder Woman is The Mummy. I saw the trailer no! for that. And it was like, do, do we, ha- I realize that everything's horrible, but must we hate fun? <laughs> I agree. Did you see the other version of the trailer, the IMAX one that got uploaded? That didn't <laughs> yes! It popped up on my Tumblr dashboard. I'll try to find a video for the show notes because that is that is the that improves that the show. Happily, honestly, I'm interested in the like. I love the old Universal monster movies, the original Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein, all that. I think is I love it, and Universal have clearly wanted to turn it into a Marvel uni- Avenger style universe for a while now. They tried to do it with Dracula Untold. Mm-hmm. Which, basically, which is basically the heroic origin story of Dracula, and then Charles Dance is playing like the vampire Nick Fury of the situation. <laughs> it's not, it's not very good, you guys. Poor Luke Evans, he's trying, but you know, it's not good. So they're trying to reboot it again, but this time they're going for a much more kind of old school adventure movie, but not old school adventure in the way that the Great Mummy movie is, the one with Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vice. They're going for like eighties 
James Cameron action adventure movie with no laughs. No. So serious faced and to- oh, Tom Cruise. Oh. Surely Zenu has told you you don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And also Russell Crowe is playing Dr. Jekyll. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm done with that. Um, I, I like Russell Crowe. I know he's I, kind of a dick, but I like him. I like I loved him so much in the nice guys. He was so great. He should just more comedy. There's a scene where he has to break Ryan Gosling's arm. <laughs> and it's so mean, but I laughed so hard. Well, it's just, really it's like he's it. just doing his job and he also gives him medical advice, like how to manage it. <laughs> it's when Ryan Gosling's daughter asks, Would you beat up one of my friends? says, How much have you got? What fee are you working for? And he's like, Okay, let's, let's discuss. <laughs> Watch the nice guys, guy. You will all regret not having seen that in the cinema. It's so funny. It's so funny. We need we need Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe to do more movies like that. Right. I would I you know what I'd like to see them in? A rom com. Mm. Mm. Yes. Let's get that. Yeah. But if they're going to five dollars to donate to that Kickstarter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> if they're they're gonna reboot the like the Universal Monsters and they want it to be like this universe where everyone's in it together, I have no idea how that will work. But you know, if they're gonna reboot Dracula, you know, I can recommend a really prominent Danish actor who I think would do wonders with that role. Okay, but Alicia Vikander already has an Oscar. So. <laughs> she's Swedish. <laughs> no, she's not. Isn't she? She's Swedish. I'm pretty sure she's Danish. To Wikipedia. No, she's to she Wikipedia. She's the royal affair, but... She's from Gothenburg. Fine. Wait, isn't that good? Isn't that, like, your people? Yes, it's my people, but also that means that you're right and I'm wrong, and I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. I, I would watch her in that movie. I would watch her be Mina. Mm. I'm totally writing this now. Also in June, <laughs> Transformers, why the fuck is this still a thing? No! My favorite, when, when it was announced that Anthony Hopkins was going to be in that movie, there was a news story that just says Anthony Hopkins loses bet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Tony basically does not say no. Also, his Twitter, his Twitter account is a treasure. No. If you are not following Anthony Hopkins on Twitter, you should. He is a treasure. Mm. He posts pictures of himself with his cats. He posts selfies. He posts his artwork. He is a treasure. Protect Anthony. Protect Sir Anthony. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> also, Despicable Me 3 is coming out. Again. Why? The, vil- the villain is being voiced by Trey Parker. Why? And I spent a lot of time wondering why, and then I realized Trey Parker's daughter is about four or five years old. Oh. <laughs> so I imagine this is how you... Also, Trey Parker's daughter is currently the voice of Ike on South Park. <laughs> so there's a, there's a really sweet video, actually. It's sweet and fun. Also, that video. means that somebody fucked that guy. Yeah, he's got a wife. Oh. There is a video on um, or where he is getting her to do the, the Ike line. So it's like, say, I love you. I love you. Say, asshole. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> this is what every parent secretly wants to do with their kids, but they don't get to record it and pay them for the privilege. Mm. Man, that movie's going to make like $2 billion. <laughs> yeah, I know. July 7th, Spider-Man. This may actually be a good one. Probably not, but going to see it anyway. Another major franchise movie given to a male director whose previous project was like a $100,000 indie movie that no one saw. The list we're working off lists uh, Midnight Sun as a July 14th movie, and guess what I thought about? 
Aww. I know. It's like losing it's only the game. Movie, though. It's like losing the game. Oh my god. <laughs> if you click on it to see the summary, it says the film follows 17 year old girl Katie Price in brackets, Bella Thorne. And I was like, oh come on, now you're just trolling me. Now you're just fucking with me. <laughs> Honestly, this July, this July looks, July and August looks pretty solid. Yes! Yes! Sorry. Uh, breaking news. Good Behavior on TNT, which is Michelle Dockery's new show, just got renewed for season two. Yes. That makes is sense. that a good show? It's a really good show. Then yay! So, we're happy for that. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make a prediction for 2017's pop culture. Yeah. Uh, Dunkirk comes out July 21st. Yep. It is Christopher Nolan's World War II drama. It stars Tom Hardy, Mark Rylance, Killian Murphy, Kenneth Branagh, and Harry One Direction Styles. Um, I predict it's going to be one of the top 10 highest grossing films of the year. I think you're probably right. Because I think Nolan is probably the only director currently working who can put himself in terms of name recognition to general movie-going public in the same way as someone like a Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Interstellar was not great, but he sing- almost single-handedly sold that movie because it's Christopher Nolan. Very few directors can do that on that kind of scale with big budgets anymore. Even Scorsese has trouble with that. Right. And Dunkirk is a story about heroism in the face of crushing evil. We kind of need that right now. And it's a feel-good. My favorite thing that's in the Imperial War Museum is one of the little ships. It's just this tiny little wooden boat that's like, yep, I got people out of Dunkirk. And so I belong in the Imperial War Museum. It's so... I have feelings. Oh, the cuteness of war. Um, (laughs) Here's the thing as well that's important to note about Dunkirk. Christopher Nolan is being paid $20 million to direct this. The last time a director got that salary, and he's getting 20% of the gross of the movie, you guys. Mm -hmm. The last time any director got that kind of money was when Peter Jackson did King Kong. Directors don't get this kind of money. The the studio, um, you know, really, Warner Brothers are banking on this. They wouldn't give it this slot if they didn't, in a way that it's being marketed. It's not necessarily being marketed like a franchise movie or that, but it is being sold more as a blockbuster in the way that most war movies are not. It is really old school kind of filming. There's not a lot of CGI. This is very much boots on the ground, practical kind of filmmaking, which is good because I don't think we see enough of that. And also, how do you get uh, Christopher Nolan to overcome his problem with writing women characters? Give him a plot where there aren't any women, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I'm like, I shouldn't be happy about that, but I actually kind of am. Hmm. So I think it's going to make a huge mon- amount of money, and I think it's going to get the push for awards prestige in the way that they tried with The Dark Knight and didn't get. Yeah. So I predict it's going to be making between six and seven hundred million dollars. Easy. I mean, it's also got Mark Rylance in it, so, you know, he's reliable. So that doesn't bode well for its competition that week in cinemas, which is Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Now, it's based on a comic which was called Valerian and Laureline, but nobody's going to see a movie with a girl character in the title. That's true. Uh-huh. Directed by Luc Besson, starring Cara Delevingne, uh, Dan DeHaan, Dane DeHaan, and Rihanna. So Sure. I don't know. Like It looks like it could be one of those really great visually, but probably bad as a movie. 
type of things. Which, I mean, wouldn't necessarily be bad. I mean, Luc Besson made The Fifth Element. He can do yeah. kind of trashy, good, bad sci-fi. The problem is how far before it becomes like... I mean, even if it is Jupiter dis- Jupiter ascending, that's not a bad thing. This no, really I love I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how this does outside of countries where the comics were not really known, because I don't think this is a thing in the UK at all. It's very French. Mm-hmm. Although Luc Besson did make a movie called The Adventures of Adele Blancsec, which is basically Victorian lady version of Indiana Jones, but there are also reanimated dinosaurs and mummies. <laughs> sure. And it's French, and it's great. <laughs> it's so much fun. Like you, you guys would love it. It is a very smart bitches-friendly movie. Okay. So... She's, she just does not give a shit about anything, but she's very excited about dinosaurs. And the week after, The Dark Tower, starring Idris Elba. Yes. Okay, so I haven't... Who's read The Dark Tower here? Silence. Silence. <laughs> I, I read some Stephen King. I haven't read The Dark Tower, because um, there, there, that's a lot of book, you know? Mm. Yeah. Uh, my auntie, who is the diehard Stephen King fan of the family, says, they're great, but they get increasingly weird and meta- and she's no idea how they're actually going to make that into a film. So I'm interested to see too. It's being directed by Nicolas Jarce, who made A Royal Affair. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. And it stars Idris Elba. And also Matthew McConaughey, but Idris Elba, you know. And Jackie Earl Haley. Hmm. Um, God, it, this is actually on the list. How is this not the Emoji Movie? How is that not a practical joke? I swear, when that trailer came up on my Twitter feed, I thought, oh, I didn't realize The Onion were doing fake trailers. Oh my god. You know what? Even if you did not know that James Corden was in the Emoji movie, you just sense You just know that, yeah. Also, I'm really annoyed he's going to be in the Ocean's 8 movie. Mm. Because men ruin everything. The thing that gets me about the Emoji movie, Sony cancelled Jendi Tartakovsky's Popeye movie to make this. Mm-hmm. Like, poor Jendi, he did nothing to deserve that. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm sorry, Alina. Sorry, who are we talking about? Jendi Tartakovsky. He made Samurai Jack. Mm. I, I, I think I know which name you're trying to say. Tartakovsky? Tartakovsky? No. Oh, Gennady Tartakovsky. Okay. Okay. What? That, what she said. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but he made Samurai Jack and he did the Hotel Transylvania movies and he was going to be doing the animated version of Popeye. And it looked beautiful. Oh, he also did the Clone Wars cartoon. Uh, and he spent years working for Sony on this Popeye cartoon and then they cancelled it because Emoji Movie. Mm. Which is almost like a parody of how evil studio executives work. He's the Hotel Transylvania director. Yeah. But he is doing the Samurai Jack reboot, which will hopefully be very good. Better than the Powerpuff Girls one. Hmm. Which was unfortunate. It was a really weird like episode in that that was almost anti-transgender. It was very strange. August seems kind of like... That emoji movie kind of sets the theme of... I see what looks like probably a few horror movies. Oh, August is usually a throw away we'll just get everybody who's desperate for air conditioning month mm-hmm. yeah but in September apparently Marvel is still slotting some sort of Inhumans thing to be happening whether it's TV or movie this doesn't even seem to be entirely sure 
Yeah. I heard ABC were going to be doing it for TV, but honestly, the story has changed so many times, I don't really know. Yeah. Like, it was originally the story, I remember when they unveiled that really big five-year timeline yeah. the cinematic universe, The Inhumans was a movie, but then that was actually before Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. started introducing Inhumans as just the major part of their storyline. Which it now is. And I looked at that and I was like, there's no way you can disentangle this from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a TV now, but then, like, do they really need another one? And I uh, I have doubts. Do they need another one specifically on ABC, given that the Council Agent Carter and uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s ratings have apparently tanked? They have to cut the budget substantially to the point where they can't even have Ghost Rider on the show now. So, you know. Well, I thought... I mean, the Ghost Rider arc concluded. I don't think they were planning to keep him on permanently. Apparently, they were. They were? There was something yeah, about that. Or at least longer. Before. Well, at least longer, but now, like, even if he's going to be on the show, it's not as the Ghost Rider, so, you know. Hmm. Just like you're going to, you know, the old horror movies of the 30s, where it's just, oh my god, look over there, the most amazing thing that's happening off camera. <laughs> it's just going to be like that. It is coming out in September. Ugh, stop showing that fucking nope. cloud on my Twitter feed! <laughs> nope! Okay, well, nope. I'd just like to point out, I did conduct a very important discussion last month on um, Twitter as to whether or not Bill Skarsgård is objectively hot. Uh, <laughs> like, I would say that it was like 60% no, 30% yes, and 10% yeah, yeah, uh, uh, mm, mm, mm. I don't know, that sounds pretty, pretty, you know, objective to me. And then there was the um, people who were just asking me to post pictures of Alexander instead. So Yeah, I think you got your answer there. Yeah, honestly, I was still kind of confused. And then that picture of it kept coming up on my feed again. I was like, nope, not hot. Let's just go back to Alexander. <laughs> Let's go back to Tarzan. He's fine. So, then, so many stars guards, so little time. The rest of September doesn't say much to me, but then October shows me Kingsman and Blade Runner right at the beginning, competing with each other for the release date? I think that's sure. okay for, for Kingsman. Can you remember, King, the original Kingsman opened against Fifty Shades of Grey, and everyone thought it was going to yeah. get sunk, and it was a it was much more of a slow burner, and clearly it made its money back. I didn't like it, because it's Mark Miller, and I find his work just so nihilistic and hateful, and mean. Hmm. It's just mean. I mean, Colin Firth was really hot in that movie, but like, you know, <laughs> He's very hot in that movie, but just like it wasn't enough for me. But it does have one hell of a cast. They've got Channing Tatum, Halle Berry, Julianne Moore, Jeff Bridges, and Elton John. Sure, why not? Mm. Possibly, but yeah, I'm himself. sure. I'm sure there will be plenty of people who will find it extreme. Oh God, Blade Runner! A lot of fan fiction about so it. So unnecessary. Honestly, I'm. Not necessarily hopeful for I'm interested because Denny Villeneuve is directing it and he made Arrival. That's and Arrival true. is amazing. Also, mm. go Canada, I guess. Have to support the Canadian filmmakers. And Ryan Gosling is the lead in it. But Jared Leto. Have, have to support Canadian Ryans. <laughs> Canada, the mm-hmm. leading exporter of hot Ryans for your acting pleasure. I'm still annoyed that Reynolds made a comeback. I'm not. Mm. I'm fine with it. November brings us the one Marvel movie I'm actually looking forward to this year, which is Far Ragnarok. <laughs> yeah. Because Taika Waititi's directing it. Rewinding for literally two seconds, but Cloverfield 2017? Why? Anyway. Okay. 
Oh, actually, before Thor Ragnarok, Creed 2? No. That, that won't be happening. And if it is happening, it won't be with Ryan Coogler because he's doing Black Panther. So you think yep. they're trying to capture lightning in a bottle and it's not happening again? It may happen, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon because I know that Stallone is wanting to make a movie with Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, okay. I'm interested in for Ragnarok in a way that I haven't really been interested in Marvel movies. One, Taika Waititi is directing it, and he's amazing. Mm-hmm. You've never seen him, his New Zealand films, What We Do in the Shadows, or Hunt for the Wilder People. Hunt for the Wilder People is especially very, very charming. He also helped out with Flight of the Concords. Two, we have been promised that this four movie will actually be substantive and have, you know, four will get things to do. <laughs> Because yeah. in Age of Ultron, he just he like goes cave diving for a little bit. <laughs> yes. Um, it's got a great cast. It's got uh, Kate Blanchett and Jeff Goldblum doing their token superhero movie duties now. Because every actor has to do them, except for Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day-Lewis, apparently. And also Tessa Thompson's in this. But also Ben Zadriel coming my pants is going to be in it too. So, ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> And they're doing the Planet Hulk storyline, so I'm fascinated to see what happens there. At least possibly, that seems to be. Well, they were, did a um, they released a synopsis recently. It was basically uh, Forrest stuck on a planet and he's being forced to fight Hulk, and that's basically the Planet Hulk story. Oh so. my god, there's <laughs> gonna be a... Sorry, but also in November, I'm gonna skip... Okay, no, you know what, I'm gonna keep this aside because I want to talk about this. But two weeks after Thor, we have Justice League. So that's going to be, I guess, a bit of an interesting competition. Now, Thor is not the Avengers, so it's not the team-up one. It's also probably not the most popular of the Cinematic Universe properties. It's one that, I guess, kind of floundered and now getting back up. So we will get to see, like, side-by-side numbers. It's not that I'm actively rooting for Justice League to fail. <laughs> but you're not not saying that either. <laughs> Every I'm time for I see... Jason Momoa. Yeah, yeah I mean, to me, the problem with that movie is exactly exemplified by the fact that you have this incredibly charming and charismatic actor, Jason Momoa, who's clearly so excited to be playing this role, and he's like, oh, so you've made Aquaman, like, a boorish drunk? You've got one of the most prominent casting of Polynesian actors, and it's a boorish... Oh, okay, okay. The thing that got me about the DC Universe, I mean, the problem with Batman v Superman is it sh- they should have spent seven or eight movies building up to do the death of Superman. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got to get your audience to be invested in that. And they didn't. They finished that in like 10 minutes, if that. That should have been something that went on for, you know, hours and hours of time for the audience to build up to that. And they just rushed it completely because they're hacks. <laughs> so now also, that no one wants seven or eight Superman movies with Henry Cavill. No but one. we do want seven or eight Man from Uncle movies with Henry Cavill. I like Henry Cavill. I feel sorry for him. I would sacrifice. But I think Henry Cavill's fine. He's dumb and he's a dick. Apparently, he's fine as an actor. As Superman, he is like yeah. the sucking void of charisma. That's true. On Man so charming. He's great. <laughs> It's that you know that line from the Mindy Project. My body is very attracted to your body, but when your mouth moves, my brain gets angry. <laughs> so yes. the reason I was actually going, oh my god, a minute ago, is that the week after that is Murder of the Orient Express, and Kenneth Branagh is playing Hercule Poirot, and he's directing it too. Leslie Odom Jr. is in this, and Michael Pena, and Daisy Ridley, and Judi Dench, and Michelle Pfeiffer. 
And I, I don't know how I feel about any of it, but I think I want it in my eyeballs right now. I was really excited for this until I found out Johnny Depp was going to be in it. Wait, what? Yeah, Johnny Depp's going to be in Murder on the Orient Express. How could you do this to me? I was, I was excited. Life ruiner. Okay, so how much money do we need to raise on GoFundMe to make Johnny Depp go away? How much? Well, how Give much does he owe Amber Heard? I think you need to find the rest of the seven Horcruxes. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, they'll all be in different hats. <laughs> all of Johnny Depp's hats must be destroyed first. All right, I need something to do. So if anybody wants to join me in this quest, hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> uh, Derek Jacoby is also in it, and Willem Dafoe. Leslie Odom Jr., yeah. Aaron Burr, sir. You're killing me. I don't know. But it's okay, because Star Wars comes out in December. Yay! Yay! And it will be hard. It will be hard. But they finished filming in July. So Carrie Fisher did film her scenes. So... We'll have that to say goodbye to. Oh, that one still really hurts, guys. I know. It really does. I am excited for this movie for a number of reasons. One, a new addition to the cast is Kelly Marie Tran. So we are finally getting some major Asian representation in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind how very rare it is to see Asian actors in prominent leading roles in Hollywood. I mean, look what's happening with Ghost in the Shell. So I hope that this will act as a, you know a bit of a wake-up call for Hollywood. It probably won't, but I would like to think it will. Is that too much task? Probably. But... Yes. And I also like the director, Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made Looper, The Brothers Bloom, Brick, and his girlfriend is Karina Longworth, who does the You Must Remember This podcast. <laughs> oh, I'll see. There you go. If you ever listen to the podcast, every time they talk about John Huston, it's Ryan Johnson doing the impression of John Huston. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're a sweet couple. Also coming out in December is Jumanji. That's what, like, and the week it's Star Wars, and the week after Jumanji and Pitch Perfect Three, Jumanji. People barely remember that movie, and now we we're getting a reboot. Why? Can we talk about what's going on in that one image they've released with Karen Gillan? Look at all of these big serious burly men in the jungle, or you know, big serious Professor Jack Black, and then we've got basically Lara Croft. Yeah, midriff, miniskirt. Look at yeah. the pose. Nobody Playlist. stands like that. This is Jungle Barbie. Yep. It's almost like self-aware parody, but I'm not going to give it that credit. I refuse. But the leather boob harness protects her vital organs, Kaylee. <laughs> it does. What's the, the What was the line Hideo Kojima gave about Metal Gear Solid? <laughs> she breathes for her skin. <laughs> yes. I hope he uses that excuse for Death Stranding with Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> That's why he's naked all the time, you guys. Ending the year for December, for in terms of big budget things that have be, that have release dates this early in the year, because most of the indie stuff will not get this until months later. Uh, we've got the Greatest Show on Earth, which is the musical of P.T. Barnum, the circus huckster mm-hmm. of the Ringling Ringling Brothers fame, and this is a uh, Hugh Jackman. Hmm. Actually, this isn't even the Barnum musical. This is apparently just an original musical about P.T. Barnum, because there is actually a musical about him already. Huh. But because Hugh Jackman just you know he's a he's a song and dance man he needs a break from all the muscle work so this is what he does in his spare time and then lets alina touch him now and then like so. not sure if want but think want hmm. well i will wait till i see the trailer i mean i'm all in, in for original musicals hmm. the end better than la la land 
And I like the cast. I like Zac Efron. I like Michelle Williams. Zendaya is very charming. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Ferguson was the best thing about that not very good <laughs> Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested. The thing, one of the, a lot of the stuff that I'm interested in for the year of film is the indie stuff that we don't really have have a lot of release dates for yet. There are some exceptions which I would like to go through. Get Out, which is the horror movie by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele fame. Ooh. The basic concept is a black guy goes with his white girlfriend to visit her family for the weekend. Oh, and yes, all I of saw the black a trailer for that. All the black people in the area are acting very suspiciously or are disappearing. Apparently, it is like the Stepford Wives, but instead of focusing on gender, it's about race. So I'm fascinated to see how that goes. Okay. Obviously, because Key and Peele are comedy men, to, to see him go full horror, I'm I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by that. Sophia Coppola's got a new movie coming out this year. It's called The Beguiled. It's a remake of a Clint Eastwood movie. Because, you know, I'm sure, why not? Uh, basically, the, pl- the plot of the story is... Um, Colin Farrell is a a soldier from, uh, during the Civil War who ends up uh, stuck inside a Confederate all-girls boarding school in Mississippi, and has to fit, you know get out while he still can. So it's you know heightened Southern Gothic with gender roles and possibly uh, evil Colin Farrell. I'm very excited. Okay, but I like Sofia Coppola. I, I like most of Sofia Coppola. I don't like Lost in Translation, but I love. The Virgin Suicides of Marie Antoinette. If you haven't seen that, it's very beautiful. Lynn Ramsey, who's a Scottish director, has a new film coming out called You Were Never Really Here, which is being described as like Taxi Driver, where there's a guy who gets to hit people in the face with hammers. I'm there. Annihilation, which is based on the Jeff Vandermeer book. Well, it's actually a trilogy of books, and it's being directed by Alex Garland, who made Ex Machina, and also wrote uh, Dread. It's about four female scientists who go to a an overrun part of I think it's supposed to be in Florida where uh, there's uninhabitable humans but one of their husbands has gone missing there and they're trying to find out what's happened. So the women are Natalie Portman, Jennifer Jason Lee, Tessa Thompson and Gina Rodriguez. If you've seen the picture of Gina Rodriguez with half her hair shaved off, it's for this role. Okay. Also apparently star- starring Oscar Isaac? Or at least it's... He's yes, in the movie. Oscar Isaac is going to be in it too. If you've seen Ex Machina and his evil dancing. <laughs> He's so pretty. He's very pretty. Paul Thomas Anderson is supposed to have a new film come out at the end of the year, guys. <gasps> and it's got Daniel Day-Lewis in it, and it's apparently set in the fashion world of Paris in the 1950s. Okay. But so you know, if nothing else, that film could be terrible, but it is gonna look fabulous. So I enjoy the idea of Daniel Day-Lewis going so method to play a fashion designer that he's just like makes a whole line of dresses for his wife. I hope he does that. Because there was that time that he played a cobbler in a movie and he just decided to make shoes. Yeah. For like years, which is very cool. What else is coming out I'm really excited for? I don't know if I'm excited for it. There's a movie about Mary Magdalene coming out this year. Yeah. It could be an absolute train wreck. But the director of it, Garth Davis, is getting a lot of really great write-ups right now for Lion, which I haven't seen yet. Oh my god. Rooney Mara. That's the one with Rooney Mara. Yeah, but Joaquin Phoenix as Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> That's why I said it's going to be terrible, but I'm going to be there. So this and is I- where they went and met on their colonics or whatever? Apparently they're not dating, but I'm really sad because I was kind of wishing that they Aww. would 
start dating after playing Jesus and Mary Magdalene because that is too funny to pass up. But she would yeah. tell Agio for as Peter. Yeah. Also, the one guy who is actually from an Arab part of the world is playing Judas Iscariot. Well, of yeah. course. Well, the one uh, Middle Eastern actor is Tahar Rahim, who's actually French as well. Uh, there's a lot of Israeli actors in it as well, none of whom I tired of. So the other thing is, it could be really interesting. I think there's an interesting story to be told there. The idea of telling the story of the one woman at the center of, you know, of the, the disciples who was written off as a prostitute, even though there is nothing in the New Testament that says she was. I think there, there's a story to be told there. But it could be really terrible, you guys, and it could be really fun. So, you know, I'll be there. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I would like it to be good, because Gareth Davis seems like a nice guy, and Lion looks wonderful. And I'm glad that someone made Dev Patel muscle up and grow the beard, because I greatly appreciate it. Here's one that could be kind of fun. Goodbye, Christopher Robin. Because I'm looking at the cast, yeah. and it's Domo Gleason as A.A. Mill, Margot Robbie as his wife, and Kelly MacDonald is in it. Well, it's nice to see Margot Robbie get something else to do that isn't just be... Frankly, she has been kind of shoved to the side as eye candy too much, I think. Mm-hmm. And, so. I, I mean, the thing about those, you know, Winnie the Pooh books is my understanding is Christopher Robin actually did not feel good about them. I remember seeing a quote where he said he hated that the entire world knew his childhood. I think that's quite a common a common symptom. The same thing happened with um, Alice Liddell and uh, the boy that Peter Pan was based on. Mm-hmm. It's a hard shadow to escape from. Duncan Jones has a new movie coming out called Mute, which he said is going to be like his take on Blade Runner. It's coming. It's being released through Netflix. I didn't see Warcraft. I hear people who like Warcraft enjoyed Warcraft, the film. That's that's how I felt. I saw Warcraft and it was like, well, I play World of Warcraft, so to me this was a lovely one and a half hour cutscene. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I heard. But I think that's a problem if you've never actually played the games. Just like, what the hell is going on? Oh, yeah. I think if you've never played any of the games, you get zero out of that movie. So I'm excited for Mute because Sam Rockwell's in it and so is Alexander Skarsgård. But he's playing a mute bartender. Also Paul Rudd. And Paul Rudd is in it too. So if you've never seen Moon, Moon is wonderful. I'm glad that his career didn't get killed by Warcraft, which actually didn't flop necessarily. China kind of bolstered that one at the box office so i mean that did massive amounts of money overseas Hmm. might actually get a sequel and i mean mmos are extremely popular in in asian china in particular so i think they were just banking on that money well they banked well because apparently it's done pretty good apparently they're liking assassin's creed a lot over there as well which uh, is just inexplicable (laughs) Um, assassin's creed it was okay it didn't make any sense. I didn't expect <laughs> it to. I've seen a lot of reviews talking about how little Michael Fassbender gives a fuck in that movie, which is interesting because he's producing it. Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't really see any evidence of any fucks given at all. There's a new movie coming out from Bong Joon-ho, who was the director of Snowpiercer, which I haven't seen because it didn't get a UK release date because Harvey Weinstein is the worst. But it's about a y- depressed the shit out of you. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's relentlessly bleak. <laughs> oh, fun times! Um, but it's called Okia, I think it's how it's pronounced. O-K-J-A, I don't know. It's about a young girl who has to save this giant animal from an evil corporation. So it's starring Tilda Swinton and Jake Gyllenhaal. 
uh, Giancarlo Esposito. So Netflix are producing that, so I might actually get to see it. The Death Note movie? I have a lot of feelings on. Like, maybe it will be good. Maybe. Don't, don't, don't. Don't hold your breath. Don't hope. Okay, here's here's the thing. <laughs> Do not dare to hope. <laughs> I hate the way Adam Wingard, the director, is talking about it by saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to be able to make it really violent now." And it's like, "Oh wow, how clever are you? Groundbreaking." I'm still really annoyed that it seems to be a primarily white cast. Although at least Mas- is it Masioka is going to be in it? Yeah. An actual Japanese guy, you know. He's gonna be who knows what? Like we don't know as who because right, his character has no credit. Yeah. So the problem one, you've got this like really dull looking white kid playing Light, which I know you shouldn't bring an actor's appearance into these things, but Light is supposed to be so wildly attractive that everyone listens to him at every possible moment. Yeah. So I don't entirely buy this. Also they've just named him Light Turner. <laughs> they've kept Light. Okay. But they've cast Keith Stanfield as L. Which is really interesting to me. They've cast an African American actor to play L. He was in Straight Outta Compton. He's currently starring in Atlanta. He was mm-hmm. in one of the Purge movies. He's a really good actor. He's also in Selma. He's Jimmy Lee Jackson in Selma. So the thing that I really love about that story is that the war of the you know the wit and mind between Light and L, and the idea that the person who you want to automatically trust is the bad guy because he's so charming and charismatic and fits in with what everyone tells you the good guy looks like. And the guy who actually is a good guy is twitchy and disheveled and doesn't have really good grasp of social mores and is instantly kind of suspicious. So having L be a black guy in a hoodie who has to work with the authorities who no one trusts is really interesting way to go. I just don't really trust this team to do it. Yeah. Also, there's already a live-action Death Note movie that... Includes Chairman. It's really quite good, and includes Chairman Kaga from uh, Iron Chef. (laughs) I just loved. Also, prominent use of uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper songs for some reason. I actually like the ending to the live-action movie better than the ending to the anime. Mm. It made more sense to me, and also they don't get rid of L. Right. (laughs) Spoiler alert. I mean, I would like it to be good, but it's being written by one of the guys who wrote the Fantastic movie. <laughs> it's like you want to fail. Right. So faith not strong. Yeah. And it's going to have Misa in it, where it's like you could hope maybe you could treat her better in this than she gets treated in the the anime. I I don't have much hope. Again. Oh we'll say perfect casting. Perfect casting for the voice of Ryuk is Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And yeah. That's pretty that's pretty spot on. Like I said, I, I like it. I to admit be- that I saw the Death Note movie and watch the anime purely because I really like the actor who does the voice for Ryuk. He's Aww. he's a very pretty Kabuki actor named Shido Yakamura, and his voice is fantastic. <laughs> no shame there. Nope, none. I mean, it would just be nice to see Hall if Hollywood is going to embrace Asian stories that they would just use Asian people in them. Or if they're going to embrace anime, at least embrace the anime that is full of white people so that they can use that excuse. Mm-hmm. Like, Attack on Titan is right there. Oh, that comes back this year as well. I'm excited for that. So, you know, I like things where people get eaten. <laughs> there is an alternate, alternate universe where Keanu Reeves got 
five hundred million dollars to make Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> this is not this universe. I'm just saying there is a universe out there where that happened. I'm actually surprised that we haven't seen traction put forward on the inevitable Akira live-action remake. Just because the Tokyo 2020 Olympics are actually happening. Right. And it feels too much like incredible corporate synergy to say no to that. Although I'm kind of hoping that they will say no to that because I don't trust any um, American or Western filmmaker to do it. No. Because it'll be then moved to like Neo LA and that will totally make all of the subtext and metaphors of that story as potent as ever. On a, on a final note, I did see the one thing that made me okay with the um, Johnny Depp and the Murder of the Orient Express downer that you presented me with, and that is is that he is playing the person who gets stabbed 12 times. Yay! All right, I'm back on board. <laughs> Hallelujah! Woo! On board, I know. Amen! And I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> Okay, there is one TV show that I didn't mention earlier that I would quite like to give a shout out to, which is Feud. Okay. Which is the uh, TV show about the infamous uh, battle between Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Oh, Ooh. yeah, I saw that. So here's the thing about Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy is incredibly talented and has all these good ideas, but he gets bored with himself at a really quick rate. Like, yeah. you can watch the first season of Glee and see how long it takes him to get bored. You could watch, like, any season of an American Horror Story, and it takes him about five or six episodes where he just clearly doesn't care anymore. But if you give him a story that he has to stick to, mm-hmm. like he did with O.J. Simpson case, yep. he cannot change history. He's really good and focused, and it works. So I'm interested to see where his inherently kind of camp sensibilities comes up against the ultimate drag queen battle. Like, I'm pretty sure RuPaul's Drag Race is entirely based on the fact that Betty Davis and Joan Crawford hated each other. So, mm. and it's um, it's um, it's oh, what's her name? It's Jessica Lange and, and Susan, Susan Sarandon. So okay. nice. Catherine Zeta-Jones playing Olivia de Havilland. Oh, I'm yeah. here for that. Stanley Tucci as Jack Warner. Alfred Molina. Sarah Paulson's in it. Of course, Sarah Paulson's in it. Kathy She's Bates. Who's Kathy Bates playing? Joan Blundell. I don't know who that is. Um, American actress who uh, she's kind of familiar as like when you see her face. So it's just one of the yeah. She's got a very extensive filmography. So um, and Sarah Paulson is playing Geraldine Page, which is really cool. Like it could be really good fun, you know. My understanding is it feud is going to be one of those anthology series where each season is a different Hollywood feud. Is it? Mm. Wow. Wait, wait, wait. How many feuds can you go with? Wait, which? What are the it's other Hollywood? Ones? So the, this is eight episodes of yeah, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford. Oh, do we want to plug the podcast then? Which podcast? The, um, oh, the, the Hollywood history stuff you didn't... Oh my god. We talked about it. You literally mentioned it you earlier. You must we remember talked... this? Yes. I thought we oh, already you... plugged it. Well, I mean, specifically the uh, the, the feud one. Because the, she did one on... There is a... If you listen to You Must Remember This, which is Karina Longworth's podcast on Hollywood in the 20th century and it comes back at the end of the month she did a six part season last summer which focused on the life of Joan Crawford Yes, yes. That's and there was an episode that talked about her relationship with Betty Davis, it's a really interesting she she called it the the beach read of podcasting okay. and it does, it does listen like a, like a Jackie Collins novel <laughs> so highly recommend it but now I want to know what other feuds they're going to do 
What are the other major Hollywood ones? Well, you're going to have to ask somebody who's a Hollywood historian. I'm sure Anne Helen Peterson could tell us. Yeah. The only one that's coming to mind is Joan Fontaine and Olivia de Havilland, who are sisters who hated each other. So, maybe? I don't know. Hmm. I'm there. That's all I'm saying. I'll be there for it. It wouldn't necessarily also have to be actors. I'm sure there's all sorts of like stories about directors feuding with or studios with actors, things like that. Mm. Look, it's old Hollywood, it's petty, and it's glamorous. I am here for it. Yep. Fairly soon, Riverdale begins. Oof. And I am darkly intrigued. Along with Shonda Rhimes, Romeo and Juliet take still star-crossed. Mm-hmm. Which follows the adventures of Rosalind after, you know, R and J have offed themselves. So, I'm also here for that. Is it is that based on something? Like, is it based on a book or a... I think it's based on a book. Okay. It is based on a book. Book above the same name uh, by Melinda Taub. But the fact that Chandra Rhimes is doing it should be... Oh, yeah, it should be good fun. Mm-hmm. Are there any books that anyone's looking forward to? I mean, I have a couple on my pre-order Kindle. Tessa Dare, the new Tessa Dare, because it's Tessa Dare, so I might as well just automatically do that. Lucy Parker <laughs> has a new one coming out in February. Which is the sequel to Act Like It. Mm. I don't know who it's following for. I'll need to check. Pretty face, it's called. I wonder which character. I'm trying to remember the act like it characters. Um, Actress Lily, is she mentioned in the first book? Possibly. I don't really remember the secondary characters in that. And Luke. Is Luke the ex boyfriend? No. <laughs> this is too much research for us. Yeah, really. this is too much research. There's too much thinking. Yeah. Also, I haven't read Act Like It. It's very good. Yeah. I know it's very good. I'm just being weirdly stubborn for no re- good reason. I'm just saying, the lead guy is described as basically looking exactly like Richard Armitage. Yeah, I, I know. Richard Armitage. <laughs> I know, but he didn't come to the stage door when I went to see his play, so. Yeah. I mean, not that, not that I'm how very dare you, sir, because it was Saturday and it was like between two shows, so. It's just funny to me because Act Like It was such a hyped book. And if you ask me, I'm like, oh, why? Like, because I broke down and read it fairly recently. Like, for a long time, I just, you know, wasn't, I wasn't reading it. It just didn't grab me as much. But if somebody asked me, like, why did you read it? And I was like, well, all my friends were praising it. And I would have sworn you were. No, I mean, I would tell people that Sarah was, like, all over it. And yeah, (laughs) it it does sound like something that I would dig, right? Mm -hmm. It's very charming unreasonably and irrationally stubborn about this. Is this the Pushing Daisies thing again? A little bit. It's not nearly as like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. It's just like, I don't want to. I mean, if you like contemporaries that have that kind of Beatrice and Benedict um, animosity. I like it when I get to it, but I will in my own time. Thank you. (laughs) The thing about publishing is a lot of the stuff is um, it's not really it's not like films where you you know here's the date that it's coming out in 18 months time 
yeah. um, unless it's really a, a pretty major piece of uh, uh, publication. So a lot of the stuff that I'm excited for, I don't really have a date for. Um, I'm, Roxanne Gay has two books coming out this year. She's got a short story collection, and then she's got Hunger, which is her memoir about her relationship with food and her body. Mm-hmm. Which um, she had, she used to do this thing on her Tumblr page where she would cook something, and then kind of at the same time that she was cooking it, she would talk about, you know, what that relationship with that meal meant to her and stuff. It was really interesting, and I love her novel, and I love Bad Feminist, so I'm here for that. Uh, Scotchy Cole, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm so sorry. Is a writer at BuzzFeed, and she has a collection of essays coming out called "One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter." That's actually comforting. Mm. A little bit. And Durga Chu Bose, who's another writer, uh, used to write for Grantland. She has a book coming out called Too Much and Not in the Mood. So if ever two titles have ever summed up my mood going into 2017, yeah. <laughs> it is those two books. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, a lot of it is just like, I will just get to it when it comes out for books. That tends to be the way to go, unless it is a very highly hyped book. But there hasn't really been anything of major hype that I'm... I'm on board for really. I just, I mean, I'm kind of allergic to hype anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get the stubborn way that Raiden does as well, where it's just like, well, I'm not going to read that because it's clearly going to suck. No, that's not even what I'm saying. <laughs> it is a little bit. It's not though. It's not not because it's clearly going to. It's like you're all shoving me towards this thing, and I don't want to. <laughs> I I do what I want. <laughs> It has nothing to do with whether I think it's going to suck or not. If I think it's going to suck, I'll just say no, because I think it's going to suck. Anything coming up this year that you think is going to suck? I mean, probably. I've worked 99 hours in the past two weeks. My brains are leaking out my ears. (laughs) (laughs) One final kind of... We've talked so much about things that are coming out. I'm sure it's it's always a little frustrating with a podcast like this because then everybody's sitting there going like, "But I want this now," and you know, it's nine months from now. Well, a thing that's you can get now if you can have Netflix that I have heard is very good, and I think I'm going to try soon is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. No, mm-hmm. no, I, no. Max Landis wrote it. Man, it's so exhausting keeping track of who wrote. Who we hate who wrote things. It's a really small list. If Max Landers wrote it, don't see it. Yeah, but it's a dick. I know, but sometimes it's hard to keep track. He seems to have his fingers in lots and lots of things. Oh, that came out badly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you you, you came to that conclusion before. (laughs) And I'll say this. The only reason I even remembered about it is because Smart Bitches has a review currently on the front page. And a friend of mine recently raved about it. Mm. Look, look, we're going to be reasonable say our listeners can make up their own minds. No, they can't. They need our help on everything. Remember, we are the guides. <laughs> we're here to help. We're here to help. <laughs> I think I have a question I think we can end the show with. Did any of you have any pop culture related resolutions for 2017? I have a goal on Smart Bitches of covering at least one own voices thing, whether it's a book or a movie or a TV show, each month. Uh, I have a couple resolutions this year. One, uh, watch more films by women, directed by women, Uh, because I do a lot of the talk on that. I've not really been walking the walk, so I'm making the more conscious effort there. 
continue reading a book a week, which I did last year happily. So I'm on track there. Yay. Um, and my other sort of mini project is I'm going to listen to every album David Bowie ever recorded in 2017, including Tin Machine and the Labyrinth soundtrack, which I've already listened to millions <laughs> of times already. Um, just I think it would be a really interesting way to experience the work of someone who I love the way that it is intended to be listened to and not just me constantly skipping to the tracks that I like. Mm-hmm. So I've already listened to Ziggy Stardust and Low, uh, Let's Dance, Hunky Dory, and I have Heroes on my bed for later. I'm trying to just like get through some of the good stuff, but then leave some good stuff for later when I have to work through the shit. So <laughs> you got to balance it out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've never done this with an, any musician with a substantial back catalogue like this before, so so I'm looking forward to that. How about you, Elena? See, I don't like making resolutions when it comes to my pop culture consumption, because it makes it feel like something I have to do, and then I get like you, like, but this is something I'm doing for fun. Yeah, I get that. Hmm. So I'm letting myself off the hook. I will read things as I find them, and watch things as as they come my way. She sounds so supercilious. <laughs> <laughs> I am probably hoping that I will... F- I've um, We've mentioned earlier, Taika Waititi's What We Did in the Shadows. Mm-hmm. And I've been meaning to watch it, but it like it's not on the two primary streaming services I have, so I, I have to either track it down... So, you have to, so, yeah, we have to put effort into finding it. Ugh. Yeah, but I think I will this year because I really do want to see it and I don't want to pirate it so mm-hmm. alright well this has been episode 52 we're not going to do a episode anything of stuff we're looking forward to because that was the whole episode mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we will be back next month to talk about the award season and why Viola Davis should own all of the things. All of the things. We're planning to schedule it so that we record before the Oscars and do predictions, and so then you guys can laugh at us and see how laugh well we did. Laugh at us when we fuck it up. Yeah. Or laugh at our optimism. Or laugh at our cynicism. Yeah. Either way, we'll get it wrong. <laughs> Whatever. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night. You have been listening to Anglophies, a made-of-fail production.